It's the myths about healing. And so uh, to start this, the hardest thing that you and I will ever do, are you ready what this is? It's going to shock some of you. The hardest thing that you will ever do is change your mind. Your beliefs, your indoctrination that you've learned for some of you decades, but when you've learned something year after year after year after year after year, it's not the easiest thing to do to change that, what you've been taught, to the point to where it's just a natural way of thinking. And uh, this is why I always say the greatest thing that you and I can achieve as far as what we should be doing is to be teachable. Thank you for that thunderous. They're probably clapping so loud online that it sucked all of the oxygen out of here and that's why you're not clapping. Uh, but um, you need to be teachable. We'll get there next week. But anyway, which brings me to the first myth that I want to, all of these myths are things that I've had to deal with. I didn't get these out of a book. This is from personal uh, life. And so uh, the, the very first one is to change your mindset that healing is difficult. It's a myth. It's a myth. For years, you know, when, when I grew up, I didn't know about healing. The only healing I knew is, you know, go and get a shot or go see the doctor, which thank God for that. Some of us would be dead if it wasn't for them. But uh, uh, I didn't know about healing. But then when I started to learn about healing when I was uh, probably 18, 19, 20 years old, uh, I found out that healing is in the Word of God. And so I started learning about healing. But then I started believing with this mindset that, Man, healing is so difficult. I mean, wow, it's just, it's just hard. It's just hard to, to get healing. And uh, have you believed that or did you believe that or do you still believe that? But um, that's what I thought. And I thought, it's just a shame that it couldn't be like salvation. I mean, no, that salvation's real easy to get saved. Would everybody agree? Would everybody agree that salvation is really easy? Oh, you know why? Because Jesus did everything for us. All we have to do is believe. One day I had a great revelation moment. Jesus said, what's the difference between that and healing? He said, I did everything for you. He says, you've just been thinking wrong. Like, you have to work hard or you got to get your faith and you're almost there and just keep going and try to live a holier life, try to do everything right, and then you'll get healing. He says, I, that was your mindset. My mindset is I took care of healing 2,000 years ago for you. So why are you trying so hard to get it? I just went, oh. Now, Listen. For years, I was indoctrinated that I did have to work for it and do stuff for it. So, you may have thought the same thing. But this is what we need to start doing. Start turning that thing around and saying, healing is easy. Your mind may go, no, I don't think that's right. But, you know, you just keep thinking that way. I shook something loose. 
But anyway, you just keep thinking that way. Shook all those dead cells out, right out of my body. You keep thinking that way. That healing is just as easy as salvation. You know why? Because it's true. Healing is just as easy as salvation because it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. Woohoo! So you start thinking that way. You start believing that way because just like you receive salvation, it's because you believe upon the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same is for healing. You believe upon the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus 2,000 years ago. Oh, that's good news. So it's a mind change. It's a mind change. And, and I remember this story, you know, how in the Bible, when the children of Israel were in the, uh, uh, Egypt and they were coming out and uh, the Lord gave Moses and the children of Israel the law and, uh, and then Moses on his journey to the promised land, Moses could not go into the promised land. He couldn't go into it. He struck the rock and, you know, uh, it was hard. Because their relationship with God back in the old covenant was totally based upon you keeping the law. They all failed. You and I would fail. So, but their relationship with God was based upon the law. Moses, which represents the law, could not enter into the promised land. I'm going to say it again. Law, legalism, could not take the people into the promised land. Who took the people into the promised land? Who was the leader's name? Joshua. Do you know Joshua? His name represents Jesus. It literally means the Lord our salvation. That's what Joshua means. It's the same as Jesus. The Lord our salvation. So what does that tell me? To get into the promised land, 1 Corinthians, it says all of the promises are Yes and amen. To get into the promises of God, it will not be by legalistic or law. It will be by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's what's going to take you into the promises. So when you and I get born again, we automatically are taken into the promises of God because of Jesus, not based upon what we've done or can do. It's based upon Jesus, so it's based upon grace. Healing is based upon grace. Salvation is based upon grace. Prosperity and having every need met is based upon grace. Having victory on this planet is based upon grace. The thing is, you and I have to believe it. Just like to get saved. Everybody, I know there's some teaching out there now. It's crazy. Everybody's saved. Nobody has to get born again because we're all saved. That's not what the Bible teaches. If you don't believe in Jesus, you'll split hell wide open. But the good news is, you don't have to. The good news is, you don't have to work to not go to hell or to get good enough to not go to hell. No, none of us are. We all deserve hell. But God, by his wonderful grace, says, I took care of hell for you. He also said, I took care of sickness for you. He also said, I took care of poverty for you. And so our mindset needs to be, it is not difficult to walk in health and healing. 
I'm just saying the first service responded a lot better than what you all just did. (laughs) So my goal is this. I wrote this down. My goal is this. I believe, are you ready? Everybody say, I'm listening, because this is really important. I believe, my goal is this. I believe that it will be difficult for you to stay sick while you continuously go to this church. Hallelujah. And it's not based upon, I'm such a great teacher. It's based upon the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. That statement was so good, I wrote it down. So I wouldn't forget it. So you don't forget it. I believe it's going to be difficult for the people to stay sick. And I based that about a week or two ago. I was having communion with mom and dad. And dad says, I'm going to read this scripture, Mike, before you, before you do communion. I said, okay. It was in Acts 14, 6 through 10. Acts 14, 6 through 3. When the apostles learned about this, they escaped to the region of Lyconia, to the cities of Lystra and Derbe and the nearby villages. Verse 7. And they continued to preach the hope of the gospel. Just remember that phrase. They continued to preach the hope of the gospel. Paul and Barnabas preach at Lystra. In Lystra, Paul and Barnabas encountered a man who from birth had never walked, for he was crippled in his feet. Now, this guy was not a little kid. He was a grown man who never, ever walked. Now, that meant that he had no muscles, so to speak, in his legs. He never walked. He never walked. Verse 9, he, the crippled man, listened carefully to Paul as he preached. This is why I made that statement, that I believe it's going to be difficult for you to stay sick. <laughs> because of this scripture. Dad read this, and when he did, I go, I walked out of there, I got my truck, I go, I'm going to write that down. He listened carefully to Paul as he preached. He listened carefully. To the gospel that Paul preached had nothing to do with Paul. It had to do with everything that he was saying. All of a sudden, Paul discerned that this man had faith in his heart to be healed. So he shouted, hey, you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, stand up on your feet. The man instantly jumped to his feet, stood for the first time in his life, and he walked. That is just so crazy. It's, it's, it's a good crazy. You know what I mean? But this is the thing. He didn't have to work it up. It was a miraculous thing that he automatically had strong muscles to walk. But this is when I read that as well. This is what else came to me. That seemed really easy. That was easy for that man. He didn't stand up and he goes, well, just, Paul, wait a minute. I haven't did this since birth now. I've never walked a day before in my life. I, I just, no, he just did it. It's just like, okay, and he walked. To me, that seemed pretty easy for something so difficult. But you look back in the natural realm and we go, man, you start, start trying to figure this out. Well, I can't walk. Even if I got healed, I, my muscles, I have to build them up. I'd have to go on some kind of leg machine thing and, and build them up. You know, and the, and the excuses and the reasons would go on and on and on. But there was no excuses. There was just, hey, you, stand up and walk. Yeah. 
He said it, he did it, and that's the rest of this history. Everybody say it's easy easy. to walk in healing. So you just need to remind yourself that a lot. I said you need to remind yourself of that a lot. There was an article that I read uh, by Tristan Justice published. It was a study done at Harvard. So that ought to get your attention. So this was not done by a church, wasn't done by a pastor or minister. This study was done by Harvard. You know, the school, the college. You're looking at me like, okay. I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs of this, but they, they put it on there so you can look it up. It's interesting. I read the whole thing. It's just awesome. Now, remember, this isn't a preacher talking about this. This is a study done at Harvard. This is what it says. A recent study at Harvard reveals that children who had a religious upbringing are likely to be healthier and have a higher degree of well-being in early child adulthood than those who did not. That's just amazing. That's why we have such a strong children's church, man. Your kids are, man, they're getting taught the word of God. Listen to this. One more paragraph. Results show that those who went to religious services at least once a week as children were about 18% more likely to report higher levels of happiness as young adults between the ages of 23 and 30 than those who did not. Kids are just happier when they go to church. Then it says they were also shown to be 29% more likely to volunteer in their communities, 33% less likely to engage in the use of illicit drugs. Just going to church. And I guarantee you, most of these people are going to church where they think that it's God's will for you to be sick, and they're still healthier. (laughs) So imagine, just imagine a church who preaches that it's the will of God for you to walk in health and healing. It's probably double those statistics. I'm happy. I'm happy. There's an easy way to see if you have a correct view of God. Are you ready? Because there's been times in my life I did not have a correct view of God. It was, what did I say, a couple years ago that I felt like the Lord gave me a mandate for our church that we are going to cause people to think differently about him. And this is how you know if you're thinking and with a correct view about God. Are you ready? Because if what you believe about God, what you believe about God causes you to be fearful, stressed, worry, or have doubt, you have no revelation about the love of God. Your view's wrong. You may say, oh, I believe God loves me but you're warped in your thinking if you think the Father that loves you causes you to have fear, doubt, stress, or worry. Is that pretty simple? Is that pretty simple? So this is the thing. If you're stressed out, if you're worried, if you have fear, you know, I used to think when I was growing up, man, I thought God was going to smack me upside the head with a baseball bat. And then you kept doing so many things wrong and you didn't die. You, You just thought maybe he was old and Half blind or something because he couldn't see you do all that bad stuff. But anyway, my point is that you, you, you just have that mentality. You have that mentality. And guess what? If that mentality is what you and I are thinking or what people are watching is thinking, is that 
you're fearful or you're stressful or you're worried or you're always having doubts, we don't have a grasp of the love of God because that is the foundation of your relationship. Love. It's not based upon. And let me tell you this. To be honest with you, it's a one-way street. Because I used to flip that and go, I just need to love God more so I can just be in favor with him. I just need to love God more so I can just, you know, walk in his promise. I just need to love God more. And I just, I just don't seem to love God more. And then I focused on how much he loved me. And that is the secret. It's how much he loves you. When you start having a revelation, your eyes begin to open up. You see a sparkle in your eyes because of how much he loves you. When it comes to healing, your foundation has to be, it has to be how much God loves you. That's got to be your foundation. It's got to be my foundation. In 1 John, it talks about this. Just so you know, this isn't my opinion. 1 John 4.18, such love has how much fear? No fear because perfect love expels all fear. Perfect love. What is the perfect love? It's how much God loves you. It's who God is. God is love. And just so you know, love is eternal. So you and I can never exhaust our knowledge and revelation of love. I don't think you heard that. I said we can never exhaust our revelation and knowledge of love because God is love. He doesn't contain love. He doesn't possess love. He is love. God is eternal. Therefore, you can also say without making it any kind of falsehood that love is eternal. Man, that's powerful. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. For John 4, 18, I'm still there. It's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So if you have fear, if you have doubt, if you have worry, you're not experiencing his perfect love. It should be a warning light on your dashboard in your mind that says, man, I'm just really afraid of this. I'm afraid to lose my job. One of the number one fears, besides public speaking, one of the number one fears, it is. Number one, I'm well beyond that. But anyway, number, number one, I'm a funny guy. But anyway, the number one fear after all of that, I think in America, is people losing their job. They're afraid they'll lose their job. Which means there's a lot of people not experiencing the love of God. Because why? Because my father's going to take care. I don't, you don't need a job for your father to take care of you. Let me rephrase that. I don't want everybody going, I'm quitting tomorrow. No. <laughs> That's not what I meant. What I meant was you should not believe that, well, if I ever lose my job, I, I, I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose everything because, you know, it's my job that's providing for me. No, it's your heavenly father that gave you that job. And if he gave you that job, he can give you any job or even cause you to start your own business. Because if you have a fear of that, the person, if you believe somebody gave you a job, then they can take it away from you. But if you believe my God is my father and my provider, so I don't have to worry about what you can take. You can't take from me something you never gave me. Ooh, that's good. That's real good. True biblical fear is this, that you fall at his feet. Instead of fearing God, you marvel and fall at his feet because of his goodness and his love towards you. 
That's what should make us tremble. He loves us so much. He just loves me so much. Amen? He loves you so much. Everybody say, he loves me. When people say, well, you know, the Bible talks about fearing God. You should fear God. Jesus answered this. And Matthew, you remember when he was getting uh, the three times that Satan came to him to tempt him? In Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Now, Jesus is quoting a scripture from the Old Testament. He's quoting to Satan, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. The scripture that he is quoting is Deuteronomy 6.13. But Jesus puts a twist on it. He says in Deuteronomy 6.13, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. You shall fear the Lord. So Jesus didn't say you shall fear the Lord. It says you shall worship the Lord. So What's the interpretation of that? Anytime in the new covenant that you read fear, it means you should worship the Lord. You should worship the Lord because I've always thought, you know, we should be afraid of God. And basically because he could slap the snot right out of you. He could just withhold oxygen from your lungs and you're dead. He could just stop your heart and you're dead. So you should fear God because, ooh, he's, he's scary. And, and listen, God is scary, but the reason he's big and scary is so he can get all of your enemies to tremble in fear. If you got a, you know, a big bad daddy, you don't have to worry about anybody trying to beat you up. You go, excuse me, my dad's right here. So, and let me just say this. You cannot have, listen to me now. You cannot have part of your heart shouting, I love you, God, I love you, God, and another part of your heart whispering, but I'm afraid of you. Did you hear me? You can't be shouting, well, I just love you, God, I just love you, God, but there's a small part of your heart that says, but I'm afraid of you. Why? Because you will never give yourself fully to someone that you're afraid of. Hmm. You can't, which means this, you can't trust somebody that you're afraid of. And healing, salvation, everything that God has, it's a trust thing. It's trust. I trust God that I'm going to, I mean, you don't want to go, well, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope I don't go to hell. Well, that's a horrible thought. No, I trust him. I, there's not one ounce of doubt in me. I'm going to heaven no matter what. And there's not an ounce of doubt in me that everybody who believed in Jesus before me, which was my mother and my father and my sister and all my relatives and my friends, I know that I'm going to see them in heaven as well. Hallelujah. So, myth number two. Myth number one is, remember, it is not hard or difficult to walk in health and healing. It's a myth to say healing's hard. Nope. That's a myth. Number two, God is teaching us through sickness and, and all of these things. He's just teaching us. That was a myth that I had to get over because, you know, there's certain scriptures in the Bible, you know, that I'm going to be transparent before you. I can't explain every single scripture that may conflict maybe what you and I believe when it comes to healing. But I do have a foundation that God is good Amen. and that he is my father. 
Because this is a myth that, you know, when people say, you know, well, maybe God is just teaching me something. And that's why I get the flu. That's why I've got cancer. Or that's why, you know, fill in the blank. He's teaching me something. But yet on this earth, your earthly father, maybe you had a good father, maybe you didn't, so just bear with me for illustrative purpose. But, you know, if you know what a good father would be, and would a good father say, I'm going to teach you something. Come here, let me slap some cancer on you. I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to give you the flu this week. I'm going to teach you something, so I'm going to give you, you know, diabetes. Nobody would think that would be a good father. Is that right? Nobody would. So you know what we are saying when we say that God is teaching us? This is what we're saying. All religious people, this is what you're saying. You're saying your earthly father is better than your heavenly father. Is that horrible? That's horrible with a capital H. It's terrible to think that some earthly father is better than your heavenly father. Well, I'm not really saying that. Oh, yeah, you are. Yes, you are. I'll say it at a higher pitch. Yes, you are. <laughs> you are. And it's a myth. It is totally a myth. You got to know what Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you never can find what Jesus put sickness on anybody. Not one time. And he was said, I'm here to show you my father. And not one time did he put sickness on him. And Acts, he says how God, how Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So you can't believe that God is teaching you something. So you just got to get it in your mind. Get it in your mind, man. And then the third myth, you're sick because of sin. I remember years and years ago, I don't remember, Danielle can maybe remember, she, she fell and, she bro- and we were at my sister's house in Kentucky. And uh, that morning, Melanie and I got into a heated discussion. Okay, we got into an argument. You ought to just, we got into an argument. I mean, just, World War III, you probably saw it from Colorado. But anyway, it was, it was bad, it was ugly, and... and and then just a few minutes after that, Danielle was walking. She was just about, I don't know, four, how old were you when you broke your collarbone? 12, 13? Wasn't that long ago, was it? No, but anyway. <laughs> she fell down the steps of my sister's house and broke her collarbone. We're on the way. Listen to me. We're on our way to the emergency room, you know, to get it checked out, fixed and everything. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm fa- I am so sorry, God. This is my fault that she has a broken collarbone because of of my sin of strife. I believed and thought that for a long, long time. I felt horrible. I look at Danielle, you know, I cry because (laughs) you have a broken collarbone because of me. Of course, she was going down the steps with the light turned off and it was totally dark. That had nothing to do with it. But anyway... um, I just thought that was so horrible. That was so terrible. And then years later, I thought the devil held that over my head for years. It was my fault because of sin. 
It was my fault because of sin that uh, not only could I open the door for her to get sick, I could open up the door for me to get sick. And so I, people have thought this for 2,000 years. Jesus dealt with it with his disciples. John chapter 9, verse 2, it says this, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Obviously, there's sin going on because there's sickness here, so there's sin. We still think the same way. God, people are people for 2,000 years. People are still people. People are still people, and they still think the same way. It's not very good. Smart. Almost said the S word. Stupid. Anyway. <laughs> Where are we at? John 9, 2. Here we go. Here we go. We're moving. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither. What did he say? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And I must do the works of him who sent me while it's still day. The point is this. It wasn't sin. It wasn't sin. But yet we think that if I sin, I'm... I'm I'm going to get sick, or that's why I've got sickness. Listen, if you justify your sickness or your symptoms come upon you, there will always be a reason. So what do you have to revert? Your default setting, your default setting has to be this. Jesus paid for me to be healed 24-7, no matter what's going on in my life, he paid the price for me. That's your default setting. It can't be. Oh, what did I do wrong? Let me think. Let me think. You won't have to think very hard or long. You'll find the devil will make sure. To him to know to do good and don't do it, to him it is sin. Whatever is not of faith is sin. So, I mean, we, there's so many opportunities of sin. So, you can't let your default setting be, oh, man, I, I probably did something wrong. Well, not probably. You can answer that one. Yet yeah, I did do something wrong. But because of his grace, just like salvation, just like salvation, just like salvation, by his grace, I'm saved. I am saved. I am healed. And I am whole because of Jesus. That's what your default setting has to be. It's because of him. It's not because of me. It's not because of how I live. And don't get me wrong. Your sin has consequences. Just let me be perfectly clear. You know that. You, there is. But having said that, sin is not the consequence for you to get sick. It is not. You have to believe that by the stripes of Jesus, 1 Peter 2.24, Galatians 3.13, himself, he took the curse upon him for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangeth on the tree. You couldn't get good enough to get saved. You couldn't get righteous or holy enough to get saved. It's the same, and yet that's the biggest thing in the world. And then we take something that is not as as important, or big, I should say, as salvation, and then we bring it on our level. Oh, I have to get this. I have to do this, and I have to do that. Really? So you left Jesus out of the equation? You didn't do that for salvation. It was all him. All you had to do was believe. It's the same with healing. It is the same. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. I'm telling you, the gospel is the good news. When you take yourself out of the equation, you know, two plus two equals four. If you take yourself out of the equation, it's four plus zero equals four. 
you and I are the zero. Don't try to add something to the salvation message. Don't try to add or take away from the salvation message. Look unto him. The author and the finisher of our faith is Jesus. He is the author. He is the finisher. He's the one who began it, and he's the one who will end it. It's because of him that I'm saved. It's because of him that I'm healed. It's because of him I'm blessed and provided for. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I have victory and more than a conqueror because of him. Man. Did you get it? The sound of the piano means I'm done. But anyway, let me just mention this one. Let me mention this one. In two weeks, we'll talk about this one. I'm just going to mention it. The myth is I don't have enough faith. Man, this was probably one of the biggest for me. Longest. Maybe not the biggest, but longest. Because I... I didn't realize, but the devil would get in my mind. You know, he's, he still uses the same tricks. Deceit. He deceives people. That's his biggest tool. He's not all powerful, by the way. He's not even powerful. Forget about all powerful. He's not even powerful. He's not. He is defeated foe. Defeated. Anyway, he used this. He goes, Mike. You're 99.9% in faith. If you could just get one more tenth of percent, you would get healed, brother. You're almost there. You're almost there. So I would strive harder and I would get harder. Oh, you confess 1 Peter 2, 24, 100 times that day instead of 90. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, by his stripes, by his stripes, I'm healed. I'm by his stripes. And after the hundredth time, no, didn't make it. Your faith, it's just, it's just not there. It's, a, it's close, though. It's close. Real close. It's closer today than it was yesterday, but you're still not there. So guess what? Your healing is still out of reach. Your healing is still out of reach. And that's what the devil wants you and I to think. It's almost, it's just like that table. It's just so close. I can see it. I can smell it. Smell it, but it's, it's just, can't, can't get it. It's so close and you go oh man and God says it's closer than the breath you breathe it's in you Christ in you Colossians 127 the hope of glory Christ is healing Christ is health he is Jehovah Rapha he doesn't contain healing he is healing he is he's healing and he's where? He's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So he, healing, it's not people praying for healing to come down. I don't know why you're praying for healing to come down. Jesus ain't coming down anymore except to live on this planet. The next time Jesus plants his feet, it's to set up his kingdom on this earth. So don't pray for God to come down. I mean, as far as healing to come, we just need healing to come down. We're praying for healing revival, for healing to come down. You're missing it. Healing came down 2,000 years ago, and it never left. And when you receive your Lord Jesus as Savior, you receive the Christ, you receive the Savior, you receive Jehovah Rapha in Hebrew, the Lord that heals. He is healing. So the healing power of God is in you and me today. The devil can't keep that from you or me. 
He can't keep it. There's nothing in between me and the devil. He can say, I'm going to keep you from that. Too late, I already got it. How can you take away something? I, I've got it. His goal is to try to deceive you and take something away from you. He's trying to take health and healing away from you and me. You go, no, I'm not going to allow you to take something that has been given to me by God. It was a gift. It was by his grace that I have healing. I'm not going to let the devil take that away. So in James, it says, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. One translation says, run in utter terror. See, if you knew how little he was and how big you are, it's just an unfair fight. It's just an unfair fight. Let's stand.